Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And welcome to One Up Delivered Through the AI Podcast Channel. I am your host as usual, Guy Drinkle, and joining me is Carl. How you doing, Carl? Not too bad, Guy. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. It must I can't even remember what the last show was. But it's been a little while. But, Carl, the seasons of games is almost upon us. I mean it's pretty much the football season ends, then game season starts, or the news cycle starts, I suppose. It's be busy for us in the next couple of weeks, won't it? Yeah, certainly when I mean, E3 is only around the corner and now obviously with the way these are rather nipping all taking place in the one week, things are likely to be spread over a few weeks again, which means we'll we'll have plenty to, to talk about and plenty to speculate on. So um, it's, it's good to get back on it now for, for a bit of warm up before we have uh, shows coming fast and hard. Yeah, exactly. We're going to do this one where pretty much news and a bit of things about remakes. Then next week we'll find something to talk about and then we'll probably get into the E3 stuff because I think it's mid-June, isn't it? I think that's when the E3 week starts. Or the yeah. Start. Yeah, so probably get one show and then do the E3 preview, which is normally a thick boy. Um so you'll have to forgive us that. So I'm I'm now apologising for shows two weeks in advance because we've ran over there. But you know us by now. But, Carl, we are on a tight schedule for our liking. So I've, we've got about an hour or so. But we have got some things to talk about. Shall we get through the news and then onto the topic? Sounds good. Right. So first news uh, story from Square Enix calls outright its its next big franchise as it reaches 3.5 mil unique players. We've obviously both played this, so we'll get into that in a sec, but do you want to take us through the story itself? Yeah, so the story comes from Matt Wales over at Eurogamer, so give the full story a read over there if you haven't already. And Matt writes, Developer People Can Fly's co-op-focused looter shooter Outriders received a bit of a mixed re- critical reception at launch but publisher square enix seems pretty happy with the public response saying the game is quote poised to be the company's next big franchise end quote after 3.5 million unique players flocked to the experience in its first month things didn't exactly start off smoothly for outriders when it launched on playstation xbox and pc at the start of april 
of course, with server woes leaving many players unable to access the game for almost three days. Despite those early wobbles, Square now says Outriders has seen over 3.5 million unique players since launch, amassing an, quote, average playtimes of over 30 hours, end quote, and, quote, extremely high engagement for cooperative play, end quote. At least some of its success can probably be attributed to its day one launch on Xbox Game Pass, but regardless, Square says Outriders is now on track to become the company's, quote, next major franchise, end quote, suggesting more installments could eventually be on the way. Not bad for a game many had written off after some early, rather underwhelming reveals. For its part, People Can Fly says it's, quote, very grateful for the community support and feedback, end quote, and offers assurances it will, quote, continue to listen carefully, end quote, and that it's, quote, committed to improving and enhancing the experience in the coming weeks and months, end quote. And as I said, you can read the full story over on Eurogamer. Are you surprised at all, Guy, with how many people are playing this one? Um, No, because it's been quite a low period for games, hasn't it? I think, what was the last big game? Cyberpunk? And that's different. That's obviously a single-player experience um, and kind of a one-and-done, especially the way it launched. But outside of that, I mean, outside of Warzone and Fortnite, is there anything there? That's new and interesting. I don't think there is. Like Destiny 2, that has its events, but the last DLC is kind of a quick one. It wasn't some like dramatic big overturn thing that drew people, a lot of people back. Or it may have done, but I don't think it would have kept them. Whereas Outriders <laughs> looked a bit meh, but when the demo came out, people seemed to be more impressed than they thought they'd be with it. And then the fact it launched into Game Pass, so you had a game that I don't think a lot of people would have been willing to spend 60, 70 quid on, but the fact it was in Game Pass and people with Xbox and I presume it was in the PC Game Pass as well, that's a lot of player base that you could get in there for quite a cheap price, whereas if if it was just a standalone game, not in Game Pass, and everyone had to pay 70 quid for it, I don't think the strength of the demo would convince a lot of people to pay that. Whereas, getting that, every like, even you're a PlayStation person, you came on Xbox to try it on Game Pass. So, yeah, I think the fact it launched in there, I think that's why it's had probably a surprising successful launch. I mean, what do you think? You've probably played more of it than I have. So, I kind of... Played like three quarters of it and then just never ended up back on it. But I did enjoy what I played. Yeah, no, I, I think you're onto something in, in regards to the timing. I mean, you, you look at last spring and, uh, you know, at the start of, of lockdown, Animal Crossing came out and it done absolute gangbusters. And a lot of people, right and rightly so, attributed it to the, to the lockdown. And I think now fast forward about 12 months to, to when Outriders came on we're, a lot of places are still in a lockdown to, to some degree and add to that as you said there's not a lot of new games that have come out in recent months that, that are really going to attract attention so I think it was really good timing for the game and as you said as well Game Pass 
has played its part. Mind you, it's it's important to note, I, I think the game's charted quite well on, on PlayStation last I checked as well. So people are buying it. Um, but, you know, I'm sure that the millions of players, at least a good chunk of that 3.5 million are probably on Game Pass. So that's, that's playing its part. I mean, the game itself, I've completed the story. Haven't really played it since, but I've been meaning to get it back into it to play the the kind of post content, the excursions, I think they might be called, because um, that kind of brings you to the th- true end of the game per se. I mean, it, it's a solid shooter. It, it can be fun to play um, with with friends, but it is a, a janky game. I mean, there's a lot of glitches, and even with all the patches, I still often encounter glitches i think like people might be familiar there's contracts in the game and you have to like kill a target and i've had situations where i've been unable to kill them because they kept glitching off the map or become invulnerable when they get to the stage where you have to execute them and all you can do is laugh because it's it's that kind of glitches but i mean it, i i've been willing to accept the glitches and you know not kind of walk away and i gather a lot of people have as well so um I mean, it, it it's not a great game. I doubt it's going to be in the conversation for, for Game of the Year. But it's, it's a solid game, and I, I can certainly see why so many people are taken to it and giving it a go. Yeah, absolutely. I think, as I said, a lull period really helped. I think if you if you released at the peak of like Destiny in the division that they're the competitors for it, I think it would be third place and that's only because I'm struggling to think of other games similar to it but in terms of being a success for Square they they really needed it like the Avengers was so bad <laughs> so bad um, and yeah I think a game that's kind of surprisingly been a success because I think if people had to pick would you think the Avengers would be a success or would you think Outriders would be a big success Ninety nine percent of people would have picked Avengers, wouldn't they? Yeah, but definitely. I mean, it's funny that they come from the same company, and yet they, you know, and I wouldn't even say it's a case that they they got it so right with Outriders, but they they got it right to to a degree. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Avengers, they just got it so wrong, despite it being such a hot property, and it, it seemed almost foolproof, you know, to make a Destiny type game in the Avengers universe but it just didn't work at all um, and I, I don't know what that comes down to, does it maybe come down to expectations you know, do, do people expect more from something related to the MCU or, you know, even though it's not technically part of the MCU but, you know, linked mm-hmm. to it or, you know, do people expect more because of how good Spider-Man was as mm-hmm. a game you know, I, I can't exactly put my finger on it, but it, it is funny nonetheless that it's the same company and yet they have two games in a not quite the same genre, but similar, similar genres yeah. to a degree. And, and they've gotten one so wrong and, and one's turned out so right, despite probably low expectations. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, if they do, if they do continue it, make an Outriders 2 or do like a revamp thing where I don't know, Des- Destiny 2 is not a sequel anymore it's like a continuous hub I mean if Outriders does like a big revamp like say Taken King on, on Destiny would you, would you go back to it? Yeah I mean it, it probably depends on what's 
about at the time. I mean, like, I loved Destiny and put a lot of time into it. Yet, when Taken King came out, I, I didn't play it because I'd kind of moved on to other things. And, you know, I was, I was happy with the time I spent with Destiny, but it's just, you know, it was hard to get the gang back together and, and get back on there. So it really depends on, on kind of what I'm playing at the time. But I, I certainly wouldn't read, rule it out. Yeah, I'd probably jump back in. I'd, I'd jump back in if people... If, that's the thing with these games. If you don't have mates to play, it's kind of almost an empty experience. But if you've got a couple mates on, it's almost transformative. So yeah, I think if you could get a couple... I think it's only three that can play, isn't it? So if you get a couple mates, I think it's uh, so much more help. But we'll move on. We will move on. Um, I'll read this one. You can save your old voice, Carl, as I butcher my reading skills. Um... Ex-Monolith VP Kevin Stevens starting new EA Studio. This is from gamesindustry.biz from Brendan Sinclair. Developer Electronic Arts today announced it has tapped former Monolith Productions VP and studio head Kevin Stevens to head up a new studio in the Seattle area. The studio doesn't have a name yet, but it will be working to create an open-world action-adventure game. Stevens known, knows the genre well, having seen overseen Monolith Productions during development of Middle-earth Shadow of Mordor and Middle-earth Shadow of War. The move will also reunite Stevens with EA Senior VP and Group General Manager Samantha Ryan. Ryan was President of Monolith Productions in the late 90s and the pair worked together at Monolith and its eventual partner Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment. I mean, there's not too much to add from that point, Carling. We get in a new EA studio. I mean, mean, the first thing you start is, is EA the right place for these types of games? Because is it EA before Jedi Fallen Order or is it EA after Jedi Fallen Order? We still kind of have to wait for these answers, don't we? Yeah, I mean, EA is... It's it's an interesting publisher, you know, to, to look at. I mean, people still kind of look at them as the the bad guy but i mean in reality they've probably started to do things a bit better in in recent times obviously you mentioned um jedi fallen order there and i think respawn might be kind of their their star studio these days um you know bringing out games like that and apex legends and titanfall and, and that sort of thing um and then of course obviously we have the the games they publish from smaller studios and you know the uh, only recently i think it takes two obviously has been a, a big hit for them yeah. so i think they're, they're earning a lot of kudos from those kind of moves and you know it, it feels to me this move is is another step in in that kind of direction and in terms of kind of just dissing it itself from just being this this publisher that makes sports games that drain you dry with microtransactions they still do drain you dry with microtransactions (laughs) but they're doing this other stuff on the on the side which uh earns some kudos and of course you know i'm not saying they do it for free of course um jedi fallen order particularly made a lot of money um but it's it's an interesting move and it's nice to see a diversifying from from just the the sports games and i mean they they were under kind of there was a threat of maybe them becoming even more enveloped in sports games obviously following their purchase of codemasters and you know how many racing games that's inevitably going Mm. to to lead to but um no it's obviously monolith 
are a great were a great studio. Or well, they still are a great studio. Well, but, we'll see. We got a new story about that. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get to that. Um, but um, you know, Ke- Kevin Stevens obviously was a very important head at that that studio. So he he knows the the genre, and you know, a lot of people might pick out the the Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of, slash Shadow of War series as kind of possibly the standout in, in that genre in recent years, although, of, of course, Assassin's Creed would have something to, to say about that. Um, so it, it'd be very interesting to see what what comes from this, you know, and, and, you know, could it could it potentially be a Star Wars game? Could it, you know, could it be some other license? We know EA likes to, to dip into licenses. Um, and given, of course, Monolith's history with uh, creating a, a licensed series, uh, you know that that might be a good fit for this new studio, um. But you know, I suppose that you know, as with anything, when you don't even know the name of the studio yet, nor what they're they're working on, you know, it's it is really a a case of time will tell. I mean, what's your thoughts on this one, guy? Yeah, I think um, it, it's always good news. It kind of links to the story we're going to tell, probably two five minutes or so. Cause we've got one in between, but yeah, I think Monolith. <laughs> Probably more so Shadow of War than Shadow of Mordor. Like, I enjoyed Shadow of Mordor, but Shadow of War, with, with the Nemesis system and, and how well it worked on that, I, I thought that was a spectacular game. Like, the ending was dodgy, and I'm sure EA will like it, where you have to have microtransactions to get the real bloody ending, which is just mental. Um, I'm sure they won't do that again. But, no, I think... Obviously, being Lord of the Rings licensed helps games like that, but it's an excellent game nevertheless. And as you say, EA do love a license. Again, linking with the story, it could be Star Wars, it could be DC. Wink, wink. That's what we're kind of hinting us towards. Um, maybe Marvel, Marvel. Maybe Disney give a Marvel game to them and see what they could do. I'm not sure. I mean, top of my head, a Daredevil game. I could see that with Monolith. Yeah, it could work. Probably not the biggest name. Can't do Spider-Man. Ghost Rider or something like that? I don't, I don't know. I'm not too deep in the comics. Um, But yeah, I think Monolith... <laughs> Monolith... It, it, they just make really enjoyable games. And if you can put the Nemesis system... And they probably can't because it'll probably be stuck with um, Monolith themselves but if you can make that type of game it's just going to be fun uh, and as we've seen EA previously and hopefully from now on they they do make or allow teams to make great games it's just before Jedi Fallen Order and Respawn became so trusted it was in such a bad lull period with with Andromeda um Getting rid of uh, visceral and what was the other one? What was the other one? Oh, a pandemic before that. Yeah, that was it. Um, getting rid of them, binning off other Star Wars projects, um, and from it, it just seems to have wasted quite a lot of the studios. But I don't know if EA can turn over a new leaf, not make everyone use the frostbite engine. To, I don't know, respawn around um, Unreal, aren't So if you can get. I don't know, get Bioware back on an engine they're probably more familiar with, this new lot, whatever they want to use. Um, EA is is, is gathering, because Codemasters, 
that op- uh, buying of them, um, maybe not the biggest thing, but you get F1. Like, EA, probably the king of sports games with 2K, aren't they, really? But EA now have F1, NFL, football. Uh, what am I missing? They did have a basketball game, but I think they've been there because 2K is better. Hockey, UFC, I think they technically still have the boxing license, which they need to like start using. Um, so yeah, they are the king of sports games, and to have the, the people like this in the in the back pocket, it, it makes the year the powerhouse that it's kind of always been, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, they you know they they they've never quite gone away, um, but they they just obviously focused. But it, it seems they're more spreading themselves out once again and it's good to see um because you know there, there was a stage when you know and it's it's uh it's sad to think about but when yeah had uh some of my favorite studios and they just unfortunately closed them down like like <laughs> pandemic um but you know with this being a, a new team you know i suppose in a way there's at least we don't have that risk of something you know we know and love being closed down um unless their first game is awesome and then <laughs> EA closes them down um but you know we'll let them get their first game out before we we think about that well they got to think of a name before we can barely talk about never mind the game uh dear but i mean not not having a name i mean moving on to this next story this is it Carl. I know I'm the Crash Bandicoot guy, but there's another set of games that I love probably more so than anything. And that is goddamn Time Splitters. Spoilers. Yeah, that's our third story. New Time Splitters in the works from Reformed Free Radical Studio. And this comes from VG247 from Dom Pepiat. And Dom writes... There's a new Time Splitters game on the way, and it's coming from the original founders of the free ra- of Free Radical Design, who have reformed under publisher Deep Silver. The new team, which will be based in Nottingham, UK, is led by quote key original team members end quote Steve Ellis and David Doak. A tweet from Deep Silver reveals. Quote, to finally be able to confirm that the studio has been formed and that we have a plan for the next Time Splitters game is incredible, end quote, said Ellis, who will be studio development director at the company. Quote, while we cannot tell you anything more at the moment, we look forward to sharing information in the future, end quote. In the short term, the team is expected to build up its studio in Nottingham and development on a new game has yet to get underway. But it's nice to see that Deep Silver is doing something meaningful with the Times for their license. Fans have been eager to see a new release in the series for well over a decade at this point. The last Times for this game launched in 2005. And you can read the full story over on VG247. So, as you said, Guy, we will have a new Times for this. It's probably a few years away, but nonetheless, it is hopefully coming. It exists, not enough for me. I, I mean, going off my stumbled speech here, I, I love this game. I think the well, the three of them were probably big parts of my childhood. Like, this was the perfect couch-based shooter, wasn't it? It was one that you had with your mates when they were around. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that develops in the modern age. Um, but ju- just the, the comedy, the randomness, just, like, 
having a gingerbread man <laughs> for no reason as a character and stuff like that. Uh, monkeys being arseholes. Uh, infected mode. There, there's so much things I, I love about the, this game series. I mean, do, do, you, do you have similar memories or any memories at all from, from this series? Yeah, certainly. I mean, um, I recall um, my friend and I, when we were younger, went to our local video store to rent a game for a, a sleepover at his, and we picked out the first time series, and we brought it back, and we played a bit of the campaign on co-op, and then we just started playing bot matches, and we just we were playing bot matches until about five in the morning. It was insane, and we never really looked back from there. I think he he bought the game shortly afterwards. He bought the second one, he bought the third one. Uh, another friend of ours and his younger brother were big fans as well, and we used to play it. And we go to 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 their house. It, it was really it reminded me kind of goldeneye it was that kind of experience yeah, you know that show. kind of couch multiplayer and like to be honest i wasn't a big first person shooter fan back in the kind of ps2 era and time splitters was the one game I, I just loved in in that genre and i'm just so excited when i saw this news the, the other day i was a cannot wait till we finally get our hands on. I know they're, you know, they with the blessing of Deep Silver that uh, a bunch of fans are working on a, a sort of a remake slash remaster of the original game. Although uh, I think that project's been in the works for a long time and I, I haven't seen any recent updates. Um, but it, it's nice to know that there is a new game coming out. And that it's not just a cash in, that it's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's actually coming from the original creators. So, you know, that this is in all effect a, a Time Splitters 4. Um, and, and that really matters to, to know it's not just a, you know, oh, it's a Time Splitters name, but it's a completely different game. You know, it's not the, the game you, you knew and loved. So I think that's that's what's really important here. Yeah. It, the fact that, I mean, there probably will be remasters and a brand new game at the same time you, you'd probably think because i'm I, I did i must have finished the campaign i like i remember the the time uh obviously it's called time but the time traveling stuff where with cortez and stuff like that in the third one if i remember correctly where he's going through different periods of time i might be chatting absolute one here but it's a long time ago um but the fact it's a new one the multiplayer was the main thing about Time Splitters, I think. So I don't think you really need a remaster. It's just recapturing the magic of multiplayer. And that's maybe a worry because... Like, how can you do it? Like We all have the similar relation. Let's use COD as an example. Nothing's ever going to match COD 4, COD 6, COD World at War to me nowadays. Can can a game that's been away eleven years? No, that's bad mask guy. Uh, for sixteen years, um, can they recapture that? Yeah, no, I I certainly understand um, where where you're coming from with that. I mean, we've seen people try to do it in the past. Obviously, we, I mentioned Goldeneye, and I remember kind of in the three, I think it was the three sixty era. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. They they tried to do a new Goldeneye game, and and you know a lot of people got excited, and then it was completely trash. But I I think what's 
you know, as I said, the thing to take away here is it's the original people mm. that are working on this, or at least for the for the most part. So I think that's really important. Nonetheless, it is a challenge. You know, I get where you're coming from. It's so long and it's different. You know, games have moved on a lot since then. I don't think you could simply give kind of a game on on par with the, the original games and that it would be successful because I think there's been so much quality of life and that mm-hmm. kind of thing in the first person shooter genre since then. So, but I'm sure, obviously, you know, they, these the, the developers know that, and I doubt they're gonna just try and and release a, a 15 year old game. Um, so I have confidence they that they can deliver, but whether they will or not, I I, I suppose is is up in the air. You know, as with anything, when when a, you know a company tries to return to a an old IP. Yeah, I mean, this is perfect. you can't really just release a game from 2005 with updated graphics. It'll have to be somewhat... I mean, shooters now, I know you're, you've kind of moved beyond shooters and stuff and most of them are battle royales now, but all of it's just boring and realistic. Like, I say that in Fortnite, you can build like a mansion in two seconds with some random wood. But Battlefield's uber-realistic. COD's now uber-realistic. It's almost boring to a certain degree. I just want some mad shit shooting <laughs> it's uh yeah I just, I just hope it's arcade enough but not being goofy at the same time it's a it's a hard balance that 
It's a hard balance. Um, we'll move on because, as I said, time constraints for us, so we don't want to do one of our two-hour shows. Um, this is a PlayStation one, so I'll, I'll, I'll do the reading and you can do the talking, Carl. Sony working on 25 games for PlayStation 5, half of which are new IP. Fancy. Well, it sure sounds like... Uh, this is from Eurogamer by Emma Kent, I should say. Well, it sure sounds like PlayStation Studios has been beavering away creating first-party games for the, for the PS5. As an interview has revealed, Sony currently has 25 PS5 titles in the works, half of which are new IP. Speaking to Wired, Guerrilla co-founder Herman Hulst shared the numbers and said there's an incredible amount of variety originating from different regions in the pipeline with a mixture of big, small and different games. There are of course several first party games we already know about including Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, Horizon the Forbidden West, Gran Turismo 7 and God of War Ragnarok, yet that still leaves plenty of games unaccounted for. Carl, we did I think it was the last podcast we did with the state of Sony, didn't we? Yeah, of course it was. And and this was one of the worries that we had. There was so much after God of War 2, there wasn't too much announced. Obviously, we knew Gorilla were working on stuff um, and, and so on. And obviously, there was other sequels and what were Naughty Dog up to and, and, and stuff like that. But does this, does this ease your... I don't think there were worries, but question marks? Yeah, I mean, certainly, it's not the first time we've heard something like this from PlayStation. I think it was only a a few weeks ago, uh, Jim Ryan suggested that PS5 would have more exclusives than any previous PlayStation generation. Now, to be honest, I don't believe that, because when you look back at the PS1 and the PS2, there was an insane amount of exclusives, so it'd be hard to... uh, to, to match that. Um, but nonetheless, it does seem they're making a, a big push for, for exclusives, and that, and that is probably because of uh, the threat of Xbox, which is what we talked about on the last show and on our topic of the show, and the moves they'd have to make. And it, you know, obviously it is important to note, and I, I think Emma goes on to say in the story that, you know, this doesn't necessarily mean it's 25 games from PlayStation studio developers like it just means that it's going to 25 games that will have the playstation studios logo uh, attached and being published by Mm -hmm. playstation but they could well be second party games and you know licensing deals with with indie developers and and that kind of thing but i mean of course that's what's going to be needed if you want to get that many titles out um we also obviously know when we were talking about that what some of these other titles might be you know we know that there's a new uncharted and you know a last of us remake and that kind of thing in the in the work so that that kind of will cross off some of the the existing ip but it it, it does it does leave it's exciting in a way because it, it does leave some question marks you know what what are some of the new ip and and also what are, are some of the existing ip like could playstation be going back to some other IP that they've ignored um, from from the past, you know, I'd, I'd I'd love me a nice Legend of Dragoon game. Probably not going to happen, but it'd be nice. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, when when PlayStation play their they might play their hand later this summer and show us kind of what's coming, you know, in 2022 and beyond. 
you know, m- most likely God of War and Gran Turismo are coming in 2022, but but what else? Um, so it, it will be interesting to see what, what they have in the works and what some of the studios that are work on in the dark over are, are working on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the fact that uh, Herman Hulse from uh, Gorilla kind of confirmed it as well, because Gorilla, they, they've been told, I think they've said they're working on other stuff beyond Horizon, haven't they? But they haven't give it a name or anything. I'm pretty sure that's correct. Yeah, no, no, we don't know. There's been a lot of kind of will they, won't they yeah. over Killzone. Yeah, exactly. I think Killzone's one of them they can bring back, but probably have to do a relaunch of it. But I didn't read the full story, but it's not just them games I mentioned. I mean, Returnals just came out, which has had great reviews, and Housemarked. Again, probably similar with Bluepoint's room with that Sony will will want more developers in house house march probably with the success of Returnal probably be in in uh, in line for that or certainly of interest and and that Keener Bridges Spirits that that's this year isn't it that's the one from the film people isn't it yeah I believe that's coming out later this year yeah. so Sony nothing to worry about just whilst we're on it's Xbox. Nothing, <laughs> nothing confirmed <laughs> at all. We've had, we had the medium. Now was about it. So yeah. Uh, so hopefully we'll we'll discuss that on E three time. Um, but yeah, there's not really much to add from that because again, there's just so much unknowing that we can't really discuss anything. But yeah, it's pretty much confirming that Sony still have a lot on the go. But Carl, whilst you were putting together the. Uh, running order. Somehow, any of the <laughs> only v, I think it's VG that I, that I saw it on, and obviously on Twitter and stuff. But Warner Brothers Games is in. I was going to say peril. There, it's not really, but it's a chance of being broken up again because of the AT and T merger with Discovery. So yeah, do, do you want to take us through this, and then we can discuss this, and then on to our topic. Yeah, so Warner Bros. Games will be broken up as owner AT&T unloads its media business in a sales-slash-merger with Discovery. And this comes from Tom Ivan over at Video Games Chronicle. And Tom writes, On Monday, telecommunications giant AT&T said it had agreed a deal to offload WB Games' parent Warner Media, which will merge with Discovery to form a new standalone company billed as, quote, one of the largest global streaming players, end quote. The transaction, which is anticipated to close in mid-2022, will see AT&T receive $43 million or $43 billion, and its shareholders receive stock representing 71% of the new company. Warner's games division comprises 11 studios, Rocksteady, NetherRealm, Monolith, TT Games, Avalanche Software, WB Games Montreal, WB Games Boston, WB Games Los Angeles, WB Games San Francisco, WB Games San Diego, and WB Games New York. While WB Games wasn't mentioned in Monday's announcement, a spokesperson told Axios the deal will see it broken up in some form. Quote, some of the gaming arm will stay with AT&T and some will go with the new company, end quote, they said. AT&T reportedly put its games division up for sale in 2020, attracting interest from the likes of Electronic Arts, 
Arts, Take-Two, Microsoft and Activision Blizzard. It was said to be hoping to generate around $4 billion from a potential sale to pay off some of its substantial debt before changing its mind and taking the business off the market. So what do we think this one means, Guy? Because, I mean, uh, it's it's really speculative, I suppose, because you, you, you don't know how things are going to be broken up. Yeah, that's the thing. I think, seeing from what I've heard and stuff, the, the new company will want the mobile stuff, which is obviously just an easy money maker. You probably don't have to put enough loads of resources in to get loads of resources out if... Like one of them makes the Game of Thrones Conquest game, which is probably one of the bigger um, mobile games, for instance. Um, but yeah, I think it, if a lot of the ones that make game games, not mobile games, stay with AT and T, and then if they want to sell it, it's easy money. But at the same time, if all the licenses go with the new merger, if any of this makes sense. It's, I don't think you can sell, let's be honest, it, it's for free, maybe four main developers, really. That's not going to make you four billion that you wanted before. Like, Rocksteady, great, but their next game's two years away and the last game was not up to the same level of, as the previous two. Never Realm Mortal Kombat sells itself. Monolith we kind of discussed and we we love the, the last two game it's made and the, and the Nemesis system etc. Lego games sell themselves. Avalanche this, this Harry Potter games, it's not even Harry Potter this Hogwarts game is never coming out. <laughs> um, Gotham Knights looks fun from, from WB Games, uh, Montreal I should say but again their last one was um, Origins I think um, but it, how much how, how much are these because they have to, I mean let's take Microsoft because they love buying stuff seemingly are Microsoft going to pull out a Bethesda check to buy all these when they probably really just want Rocksteady Never Realm or Monolith I, I don't think they're going to do a Bethesda check for that they could just hire the people rather than buy the studio yeah, I mean it's a it's a tricky one because you know obviously Rocksteady and and um, WB Games Montreal primarily work on DC games. Those DC that DC license is is going to be tied to Warner Brothers itself with with the new company, whereas Monolith and TT Games obviously work on. Um, Lord of the Rings and Lego games respectively. Now obviously those licenses are owned by other companies. So technically if you you know whoever owns Monolith and TT Games could just kind of renew those deals with mm. the the relevant license holders. Um I'm not sure with Harry Potter to I think it's probably a similar situation. I mean I think that's, recall, w, that's WB as well, I think. Yeah, like the, the Avalanche obviously are working on Avalanche Software, um, are working on Hogwarts Legacy, um. So I'd assume they've got, it's similar again that you know whenever that deal ends, you you could make a deal with um, you know um, with with uh, I I can't J.K. Rowling uh, and her yeah. company to to license Harry Potter, um. So. I mean, it really is just the, the DC games it, itself, 
itself that are you know completely tied to Warner Bros. And you know Mortal Kombat, I'd imagine, are going to accompany NetherRealm wherever they go. It's it's their IP. Um. So, but it's just you know how this will be divvied up will will be interesting you know if obviously if it is just that the mobile companies go with the new company and the actual kind of um console slash pc developers stay with at&t um but that if that happens as you pointed out then rocksteady and and um one of wb games montreal lose their their license to, to work on dc games so it really is up in the air. I'd wonder if, you know, they, they might just look at kind of selling them off, uh, or at least most of these studios off, especially when they looked at that in the past. It could be attractive just to, to divide them up and, and sell them up individually. And, you know, whether that involves making deals for license and or whatever the case might be. But that, that might be how they, they look to approach it because it just seems a bit of a mess to be, dividing up WB games. Yeah, I think, as you say, I think if WB take the Disney route, uh, route and just give out D- uh, DC license, not licenses, but availability to make games to two other developers, two other publishers, um, that might be the easier way to make money than have a whole gaming division. So yeah, you could see, I don't know, random... Microsoft make a Batman game, PlayStation make a Superman game, or something like that. So yeah, that might, that might be the way to go for them. And then, as I say, I don't think you can sell the whole gaming division without the licenses. Like people will want pretty much all the talent at all them studios, but is it worth billions to buy them? Probably not. Like. Getting EA getting Codemasters, I can't even remember how much that costs, but you're getting F1 with that and other stuff, obviously. Um, I think they've got golf back with that as well. I might be wrong on that. Um, and Xbox, uh, Microsoft buying Bethesda for seven and a half bill probably spent too much, but at the same time, you're getting boy, it's probably like eight studios and Bethesda's name with it. And IP, obviously, yeah. which is the, the real uh, attractive thing. Exactly, exactly. You're not going to, you're probably not going to get the IP within this price of buying the studios, are you? So you're really making two deals. You might as well just, might as well just make a deal for the IP rather than the studios. Exactly. I mean, the only really IP you're likely to get with with this deal, and you know, flat out, is Mortal Kombat, and obviously mm. that is a, a big IP in the world of video games. But it, you know, that that's not quite enough to make it worth the the four billion that they wanted in the past, and a lot of people said that. Um, you know, Rocksteady, in particular, really talented studio, but I'm I'm not sure a. a talented studio is is always worth it if, if an ip doesn't come with them i mean there are exceptions obviously uh insomniac didn't really come with much ip to to sony but that still um worked mm-hmm. out for them so it really does depend but i would be interested in seeing if they did decide to kind of sell off the studios individually kind of where where these places would would find a home um it would be um I think there'd be a lot of prospective buyers, um, particularly to, to pick up Rocksteady and, and Netherrealm. 
Yeah, just whatever it's called. I mean, ten cent will probably just end up buying them all. What THQ Nordic, whatever they're called nowadays, <laughs> they just seem to buy everything. So it'll probably be one of them. Um, but yeah, it'll be very. That'll be a developing story. I imagine we discussed quite a bit because when was it? I think it said it's twenty twenty two. Yeah, mid twenty twenty two when the merge is probably going to be happening. So it'll be a long term on that, I think. Um. But Carl, into our topic for the last twenty minutes or fifteen minutes of our of our pod, what what did you have in store for us? Yeah, so I thought we'd talk about uh, video game remakes and remasters. Obviously, it's a very topical thing at the moment. The the Mass Effect trilogy recently released, and I'm I'm sure you'll want to talk about that a little bit. There was also the recent news, of course, that um, Sony are working on a remake of the the Last of Us. Uh, Demon Souls would, of course, a, a successful launch title for the PS5. Final Fantasy VII Remake was one of the biggest games last year. And, of course, they're also topical in the news in, in recent months has been that um, Vicarious Visions were brought into Blizzard to, to work on the Diablo II Remake that has uh, been in developmental hell for a little bit long longer than people might like. Um, so I thought we'd kind of talk about some of the some of our favorite remasters and remakes, and also maybe our each of our kind of dream choice for the the next game we'd like to see get this this treatment. Yeah, it's, it's certainly an interesting one. I think if we start with the Mass Effect one, because I'm playing. Well, I was playing that literally just before the podcast. It's really good. It's. And I say this as someone who loves Mass Effect 1 to 3, apart from the crappy ending. You know, you know if you've played it. Um, Mass, I've finished Mass Effect 1 in, in, my, in, my, uh, in my replay. That game... <laughs> how do I word this? It obviously... Mass Effect 2 and 3 were a lot more modern than Mass Effect 1 at the time, and you can still tell that. Like, if they did a full remake rather than a remaster, they'd obviously address that. But with it being a remaster, the cover system's still clunky. The driving's better than it was in, in the Mako, but it's still a bit crap. Um, the rate, like, using a weapon wheel and a, an ability wheel and stuff like that, it's kind of clunky. Like, someone that came in with a podcast, I think it was the IGM one, they made a good point where. Everything nowadays with stuff like that, you've got a key binding or a, a, on your control, you can map it to whatever. And I've I've done the first, I've done the tutorial mission on Mass Effect Two, and you go into that, you can you can bind two two abilities straight away. They've scaled down the amount of abilities and stuff like that. It, it just it just makes it so much easier and so much more sleek. And obviously, some people like Mass Effect One because the story's really good, and they like the RPG elements of it, but. I think it just works so much better in, in, in 2 and 3. The combat sleek, uh, obviously, if you've not played it, I won't spoil anything for you, but I, I love the story of 2. One spectacular as well. Um, I can't remember much on 3 apart from the ending, but I'm sure it was good. But 2's two, got one of the best missions ever. But Stuff like this, I mean, what, what has it been? 10 years since Mass Effect 3? Sometimes you obviously wait longer, but I think if you're waiting 10 years and then you get an update, like in 10 years we're waiting and you get, I'm trying to think of a recent, an RDR2 8K remaster or something like that. I, I'd, I'd play like that. I, I'd play something like that. 
Um, and th- this is what I like about Mass Effect. Like, I'd love a re- like a re- remake in the future, but at the same time, I want new Mass Effect content. So yeah, I think the Mass Effect trilogy, it, if if you had doubts about it, and maybe you don't want to pay the fifty quid, or you you don't have the time, Kellen, you probably wait till it's cheaper. It, it, it's worth it. I mean, I've thirty five hours in off something like that in in Mass Effect One, and I. <laughs> I won't lie, I was almost rushing through that to get to Mass Effect 2, because Mass Effect 2 is one of my favourite games of all time. So yeah, it, it, it you get a lot of content for it. Um But yeah, it's uh, it it's gonna be it's gonna be class and I can't wait to get into two a bit more. And I've kinda gone off on a ramble and not answered any question at all. <laughs> <laughs> it it it's it's just the effect of this show. Yeah, no, I mean I, I certainly want to jump on the Mass Effect trilogy somewhere down the road. I just know I wouldn't play it right now, so um I'm not gonna pay full price for it with, with that in mind. Um but I mean it, it is you were talking about the, the, the time aspect of things, you know, how long it's been since the game and you said maybe ten years seems ideal and I, I'd agree with that. Um I think that's why people have been kind of critical of the, the thought of a Last of Us remake, because people look at mm. you know, The Last of Us came out um eight years ago. There was then a, a remaster of it, um short uh, not too long after, I think about about 18 months down the line. So it it just does seem to, even if it's a year or so before that game comes out, even even two years, it it would just seem too soon. Um, You know, if it was to to come out in four or five years, though, maybe people would look at things differently. I mean, obviously remasters and and remakes are are nothing new in in the world of gaming. I I think that the earliest example of a remaster I can think of is uh, Super Mario All-Stars, which might also be the most famous one um, that it brought the the three original Mario Bros. games to um, the Super Nintendo, um, and they looked a lot better, obviously, as well. I think Super Castlevania 4 was originally going to be a remake of the, the original Castlevania and ended up kind of being, you know, sort of a reimagining per se. Um, but I, I think it really kind of came to the forefront with the the GameCube with um the possibly one of the best video game remakes of all time which Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes and then of course the the remake of the original Resident Evil and I, I think they probably didn't they wouldn't have had that that 10 year gap you would have been saying more so five or six years gap between them and the original games but people didn't really complain at the at the time and, and maybe that's because remakes and re- remasters were less common yeah and i think maybe it's a terminology thing really as well because remaster obviously it's it's obviously always been a term because it, it explains itself but it's never i don't think stuff's ever been advertised as such Whereas now it's like remaster of your classic favourite, whereas obviously I was too young to know, but the, the Mario ones and stuff like that, it's probably just getting re-released on a new console. So be it, people buy it, Mario. <laughs> whereas now it's like, let's use the Mass Effect one, it's like, the best trilogy, you know, unless it's like 4K update. It's like, using it as a new game, whereas obviously putting three of the Mario games on Super Nintendo at the time would obviously be a big deal, but Maybe maybe it's just a hype thing. We live in the social media age, and you need to sell stuff or haul stuff out more, don't you? So maybe it's just that. But the hype around remasters now probably a bit damaging. I think. 
because I love I love remasters. Like, there's not loads I've played off the top of my head, but I mean, we've got you've got one listed here. We'll get out of it. Um, but I'm gonna keep using the Mass Effect one. Like again, probably my favorite trilogy. But would I trade this trilogy for a really new good, a good really new Mass Effect game? I'd probably rather have the new one. Obviously, you can do both at the same time, and they seemingly are. But I still want new content more than old content. If you if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I I, I certainly understand where you're coming from. I mean, I, I think so, I've seen complaints that people fear that maybe companies will get um you know lazy and just give us a lot of remasters and, and remakes rather than than bringing out new games and i i, I do think there there was a, a real rush um to kind of release these kind of things back on not last generation but the generation before with the ps3 and xbox 360 whereas in a very short period of time we got like a a, a sort of remastered trilogy of um the um devil may cry games we got silent hill we got the metal gear solid um games and we got the splinter cell i think they were the four kind of main ones in a very short period of time and it, there was very mixed um reaction to those trilogies i think silent hill wasn't very well received but at the same time uh, Metal Gear Solid were and I think it was Blue Point that worked on, on Metal Gear Solid so you can probably see why was. <laughs> uh, that, that was of a particular quality because they're they're a particularly good studio when it comes to remasters and remakes as, as we've uh, since learned um, and I think people at the time like obviously with um, as I said Metal Gear Solid and Silent Hill obviously both Konami properties and people wanted to see Konami bring on new teams and make new games within these IPs or, or rather license, maybe license out the IPs. And they still haven't really done that. Um, or ve- they've done very little of it. Uh, you know, maybe we, we got Metal Gear Solid 5 and, and we got um, Metal Gear Solid... Um, I can't even recall it. I blocked it from my mind. The zombie one. Uh, it was so bad. Uh... Um Extinction? No. Survive. Survive. Awful, awful, awful game. So you know the and I so I can see that fear that people think that that companies might just cash in too often on these sort of things and they don't want to see that they want to see new things. But I think if 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 companies keep the balance. Um, you know, it can be nice to get these remasters and remakes because it, it can be hard to go back to older games. Um, and, you know, these new kind of the, even a remaster giving it a new coat of paint or, you know, a remake kind of taking what we knew and love and, and just bringing it into the modern world completely with a, you know, maybe a, a new take uh, can, can be really good. And I, I think when you look at the notable remakes, you know that that come to mind there's not a lot of them that are bad you know things like shadow of the colossus obviously mm. was one of the the best games on playstation 2 and the remake again from from blue point <laughs> was uh really really impressive and of course tony hawk's pro skater one and two from vicarious visions was excellent and we can kind of see probably why blizzard have dragged them in to help with diablo 2 and, and get that project back on on course um of course, the the you know 
the Resident Evil remakes that have been coming out in recent years are are a, a key pillar of of Capcom's revitalization of that series, and I think that might be kind of the 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 best example of how you can balance the new and the old. You know, they're giving us remakes that they've, in recent years we've gotten Resident Evil Two remake, Resident Evil Three remake, and Resident Evil Four remake is in is in the works. And I know there's a lot of people who want them to do a remake of Code Veronica as well. But they're still giving you Resident Evil 7, which was a hit. They're giving you Resident Evil Village, which is a hit. You know, they've got other Resident Evil new projects in the works. So I think that's a nice balance. And I think, you know, a lot of companies can strike that balance, can still, you know, bring us back the old games we knew and loved, but still give us something new. Yeah, I think that's that's the main point, I think. I'm not even sure which part of uh, Bioware made the uh, Legendary Edition or Collection, whatever the hell it's called. But we do know... I wish they'd call them something rather than just towns, because one's Austin, one's somewhere else. Anyway, doesn't matter. Who cares? You know what I'm going on about. But like, they've got the main ones, but they'll probably be working on Dragon Age at the same time. So they're making the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. It's not. It shouldn't impact Dragon Age, and hopefully won't affect Mass Effect Four. Or just, just imagine Andromeda doesn't exist and just started again. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's it's a good one. But I mean, whilst we're here, I mean, Crash Bandicoot, the insane trilogy. I love Crash Bandicoot. I should get. I'll, I'll eventually get four. The Insane Trilogy, I mean, it's the per- for me, it's the perfect Switch game. And the only problem with that is I never got my Switch. <laughs> um, when Now that we can travel and stuff like that, when I, I think I've got plans to go to Manchester and Carlisle, that northwest, proper northwest, um, at the end of the summer, I can actually dust off my Switch and play games like the Crash Bandicoot stuff. So, yeah, I, t- I think the fact that these games where they used to be so big hits on PS1, PS2... Now that there's new te- uh, new hardware like the Switch and stuff like that, it, it makes all these old games so much more accessible. I think, uh, and then that's why that's why I look like if I travelled more or took more public transport to go to work or whatever, like I'd use my Switch to play these games from my childhood. Uh, that's what that's where I think remasters of stuff like Crash Spyro um, come in. Um, any of that particularly like jumps out at you when we think of this, and then maybe we'll get into some of our dream remakes. Yeah, no, I see where you're coming from with the the switch. I think it certainly is a good platform for that, and and we've seen certainly a kind of a, a popularity with that console for kind of ports of older games. You know, not even necessarily games that are, are being remastered. Just you know, a lot of the Star Wars games have come to Switch recently, and it, it, it seems to be a popular platform for, for playing them and it's, it's certainly a platform I look to when it, it comes to, to playing kind of older games because obviously with a lot of, you know, remasters and, you know, and ports of older games, they, they don't necessarily need the, the powerhouse of, of your PS5 or your your Xbox X or Series X rather to, to get um, to get the best out of them. So it's I, I think that's what, what uh, makes it a a solid platform for those titles. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, oh, I mean this this has. I'll go into my first one of my first dream scenario ones, and this this is for a full remake because it does have a, a kind of a remaster. It updates it a smidge. I won't say it's a complete remaster, but I'd love Halo One to Three get a full on remaster because obviously Xbox will have new people coming into their thing and everyone will be like oh halo that's the main one they'll go on the master chief collection and i'll tell you this for free playing halo one now is bad <laughs> if you want to experience halo halo one is a tough play because for instance my, my mate said he went on the master chief collection he wanted to do it in chronological order so he played reach first then he went to halo one and he was like oh my god <laughs> I can't play this game. So I would love a full rema a remake, I should say, of the first three Halo. Because with more new people, presumably, or just even adventuring into the Xbox ecosystem, because there's now a reason to, their flagship thing is now dated. Like, obviously, porting a game from original Xbox is, is very difficult. But in, if you got to remake a full, like, one to three, even just one, because 3 is probably easier to remaster because it was obviously the 360. But 1 and 2, um, to remake them, it, it'd probably be easy. It's just print money for for Microsoft, I think. And this new generation of presumably incoming Xbox fans, because that's the long-term one with Game Pass and value and all that jazz, you've got to, you've got to show them what Halo was. Because I know you you played Halo as a, when you were younger and stuff like that. If you went on Halo now and try to explain why this game was good, it'd be a tough sell. Yeah, I mean, with Halo, it's it's interesting obviously because you know the first Halo released in two thousand and one, and then we had um, Combat Evolved Anniversary in twenty eleven, ten years on. But now it's ten years on since since then. Um, obviously, then the the there was the second Halo, and then that got the anniversary treatment as well in in 2014. Um, but again, it's it's been seven years on since then. But I mean, I suppose the question people would ask is, how many times did do you need to to remaster or, or remake the the same game before you you move on? I suppose that that does depend on the game. I I, I wouldn't say no to uh you know a, another remake of of Halo. Um. Maybe the might be a, a you know Halo Three you should get, which is arguably the most popular Halo game of all time. Mm. Possibly that should should get a remake. Could could make sense. I mean, it, it's been came out in two thousand seven. It's been fourteen years now. It, it it certainly looks a bit dated. Um, so I I think if I was remaking a Halo game, I'd I'd probably focus on on Halo Three. Um. Actually, if I was being, you know, completely um, selfish, I'd say Halo Reach because I love Halo Reach. But that's Reach. that's just my selfish thought. Best, best campaign, best campaign by a mile. Uh, but I do the last the last mission on free is peak gaming. I think peak gaming. Uh, but yeah, I think any of them just more good Halo because it stops free for free making bad Halo games. Um, Tee Um, what what would your dream? Let let's say remaster, uh, remake, because remaster, remaster, you can just slap a coat of paint on anything. Re a remake is something 
special, isn't it? Yeah, there, there's certainly a couple couple games I'll, I'll mention as kind of honourable mentions for, for remasters in a moment. But to, to focus on a, a remake, um, for me, and I'm going to be greedy and, and say three games. Now, they, they could probably get away with a remaster, but I, I think I'd prefer a remake of all three. Um, would be the PS2 era Grand Theft Auto game. So GTA 3, GTA Vice oh, City, and yes. GTA San Andreas. Yes. And obviously the only, you know, I want Rocksteady, or Rocksteady, uh, Rockstar themselves to, to do these remakes. Because I think, you know, they're, they're the only people we could trust with them. Um, you know, they're, they're still, you know, quite possibly my favorite Grand Theft Auto games were that, that original, that, that trilogy, the, the three D trilogy, as I think they're referred to, um, they were amazing, and I just loved it. But they're they're hard to play now. Like if you play them, they are dated. Um, and I just like to see them kind of get that treatment remake. I don't want them changing the story or anything like that. I just want them to be brought to to modern standards and and re released. And you know, it, I I I'd imagine Rockstar would prefer to work on something new. But given that there's a whole new generation of gamers who probably never got to play these games, but have played like, you know, GTA 5 and, and probably GTA 4 before it, I, I think there could be certainly money in, in remaking these games. Absolutely. I think Rockstar's obviously, because it focuses so hard on the next game, they are quite big though, so they could do a remaster, I think. It, it, it's certainly feasible. It'd be just tough doing the free remasters. Like, I love San Andreas. That's probably my... I played the top-down ones on, play, on PlayStation 1. But the one I probably mostly sinked my teeth into... I played Vice City, but San Andreas was the one I, I sinked my teeth into the most. So, yeah, I'd love a, I'd love a remaster of pretty much any of that. I mean, more, G, more GTA content that isn't GTA 5 online would be great. Because that game will never die. Um, but no, that that's a great show. I hadn't even thought of that. <sighs> now, this is probably similar to you. Or the similar to your show. I would love a, rema- a remake of Morrowind or Oblivion. Or both, because I'm greedy. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I could certainly get behind that. And I've... I've... I've seen the argument for for both in the past, but particularly Morrowind, given its age. I mean, it, it's it's like it's a game I've been meaning to to kind of. I've played it in the past, but only for kind of a few hours. It, it's a game I've been looking to go back and play and and complete because you know I've completed Oblivion, I've completed Skyrim, and I, I want to complete that too. But obviously, it is quite dated, and it's really hard. Like it is really really hard. Like you you find a rat. And that rat's gonna fuck you up, you know. That's that's just it how is. that that game rolls. It's very unforgiving. So I, I, and again, it's one, it's it's one that I could, I could see there being a demand a demand for, and, and particularly now since um you know Bethesda have been taken over by Microsoft, um there's a lot of developers there and demand for, and I think it's something that could make money. So. Again, that's another one that you can't completely rule out happening in the future, even if we're we're talking about it as as kind of a dream scenario right now. Yeah, I think 
it's just e- it's easy money to make, isn't it? I think with presumably the next Elder Scrolls, if they're gonna make it like they did with Skyrim on two hundred platforms, I think it. Why not look at a remake? I mean, you'll never have any more resources than you would under Microsoft because they'll just pump endless cash into anything. Seemingly, <laughs> um, yeah. Just any one more from you before we go. Um, on the spot, in in terms of a dream scenario, I, I think I'm getting one of mine, which is obviously the we we talked about it um on the last the of Knights of the Old Republic, so I'm really glad that that's getting the the treatment. Um, on that line, I think it'd be really cool as well if Jade Jade um Empire, another of Bioware's games from that era got a similar treatment be pretty cool because it is again those games are hard to play these days um but i mentioned before and on the remasters there there is a couple i'd, I'd like to see and, and a couple I, I wouldn't completely rule out um one would be um re- not so long ago we got command and conquer remastered uh, double package that maybe comprised of tiberium sun and red alert 2 which are probably my two favorite um, Command and Conquerors, although I wouldn't say no to Command and Conquer Generals getting the, the same treatment as well and you know, as soon as we've gotten Mass Effect Trilogy I don't think this one is outside of the realms of possibility which would be a Dragon Age Trilogy um, mm. comprised of Dragon Age Origins Dragon Age 2 and Dragon Age Inquisition, which you wouldn't have to do too much with, you know, maybe just kind of give it that little nice boost to uh, the the PS5 and, and Xbox Series X with the 60 frames, um, ray trade that that kind of thing, just a little quality of life in terms of the visuals and and performance. Um, that that would be a nice thing to see, and it, again, we we could well see it, especially with a, a new Dragon Age on the the horizon. Uh, any more that spring to mind for you? I was going to say Arkham, but they've had a... Is it? A, it's just a collection. It's not a remaster or anything, is it? The, I think it's the Arkham collection. But a remaster of them, I think I think them games hold up too well for a remaster of them too soon. I mean, Time Splitters would have been one, but we've got, we're getting a new one of that, so we don't really need that. Um... Hmm... I mean, it never happened, but all WWE games, or WWF at the time, I mean, who wouldn't want to play Here Comes the Pain, SmackDown 1 and 2, Know Your Role, etc. That, that, it never happened, because one, it's the, it was the WWF, so you can't really publish that, but that'd be, that'd be amazing. Yeah, I, th- I think we talked about uh, how awesome uh, a here comes the pain remaster would would be when we did our our show on on the wrestling games way back when um but it's just sadly that that's not going to happen mind you you know people thought that a, a tony hawks remake or remaster would be very difficult for you know due to licensing and that kind of thing due to the music um and although they didn't get all the songs back they managed to get most of them back so you, you never know never, never say never Exactly. All you got to do is cut just cut out Chris Benoit, and you're fine. That's probably the, that's probably <laughs> the main issue, sadly. Um, but yeah, I think they're the main ones for me. Though, but in in years, I mean, maybe an outside the box shout. I'd like to play Witcher one and two. 
because I never played them, but I love Witcher 3 that much, I'd like more of it and see the trilogy. I'll be a Witcher 3 kind of stand on its own a bit. Yeah, no, I can feel you on Witcher 2, because I've always meant to go back to that, but I know now it'd feel very dated compared mm. to, to Witcher 3. Witcher, Witcher 1 I did try to play, and it's a very, very different game to the other mm. two. So I think they, they, they'd have to completely remake yeah, that and so kind of bring it into the gameplay of, of Witcher 2 and 3 more so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tried. I, I played 2. I just it's one of them where eventually... You just kind of lost track of it, but if they, if they did probably a remake of one and two, it'd probably be a few years before you'd need one or three, maybe it would probably be longer than ten. But yeah, I think if you want to add on to the Netflix series, that they're, they're apparently going to make more Witcher games. I think people probably haven't played one and probably two by extension as much as as three, so that'd be kind of cool to bring their original ideas back to life. But that's it, coming quickly before we go. I know you've been busy recently. Been been playing much? Not too much since um, I played, um, as I said, Outriders and, and completed that. That was a, probably over a week ago since I played that. Although I am going to a, a mates after we finish recording here to play Boulder's Gate Dark Alliance, which was a bit of a stealth release last week. It released on PS4, Xbox One, and I think it came to Switch this week. Um, it's just kind of uh, it's it's pretty much the same PS2 game with a with a fresh paint of coat on it, a fresh coat of paint rather on it. But I mean that was one of my favorite games growing up. Favorite co-op games. Must have completed it. 30 40 times so i'm i'm looking forward to playing that one and i'm hoping that the second game in the series gets the the same treatment down the road what what have you been playing unsurprisingly mass effect (laughs) Uh, as i said earlier i finished mass effect one i've literally just done the first mission of two as always as carl knows as he was trying to schedule playing gears of war 5 with me i am somehow addicted to call of duty warzone even though i hate that game (laughs) <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I've been playing that. There's, if you've not seen, there's that uh, 80s event on, so you can, well, you can buy skins for Ramble and John McLean. Unsurprisingly, I went for Ramble, and my mate went for John McLean. Um, so yeah, I am now running round. I know well, I only play Rebirth. If if people play COD, I only play Rebirth, and I'm just Rambo, and I just shank people so yeah that's what i've been up to but mass, mass effect is the one i i can't wait to get into two and if hopefully if we do one of these next week I'll, i can just report back to my love of mass effect here but that is it carl we will get out of here and as we say it's e3 season coming up so we will be back we'll 100 percent be back um again them shows usually usually are long but the football season's gone so we gotta we gotta keep you keep you interested somehow but that'll be in the coming weeks but again thank you everyone for listening thank you to carl for joining me goodbye Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? 
Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 